This is episode number 79 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Welcome back to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Stannard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to help you build strong teams while growing a successful business. This week, I have another High Impact Leader coming for a visit. David Oates is a specialist in in crisis PR or public relations. Uh, and in the interview, he covers a number of ideas and solutions that can help you if somebody's using social media to harm your brand or to harm your image. Uh, He also talks about a few ways to kind of prepare for the inevitable negative feedback that could occur just in the marketplace or social media when a dissatisfied person wants to post negative things about you or about your company. Um, By the way, as always, if you like the sessions, don't forget to subscribe to the High Impact Leaders podcast and make sure to rate the podcast and leave me a review wherever you download the show. And if you have questions for me or comments, you can tweet me at Doug Stannard or contact me via my website at leadersinstitute.com. So enjoy the interview with David Oates. Hey, welcome to High Impact Leaders. Um, I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and I have a special guest with me, David Oates. He's um, he is a really he's got a really cool career. He works in um, in PR kind of correction type things. It's you guys are going to get a kick out of listening to him. He has it's a really interesting kind of. niche or niche that that he does. And so, um, David, by the way, thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. Hey, thanks, Doug. This is a real treat. Appreciate you having me on. Sure. So I know I, I probably butchered kind of what you really, really do. But I, I, I think <laughs> one of the reasons why I want to have you on the, the podcast, though, is because um, as folks are growing, whether it's an individual entrepreneur who's trying to create a name for him or herself, or whether it's a, a, a really big kind of corporation or company, um, every once in a while, you're going to get those kind of haters that might um, post something negative on a blog or post it on social media and kind of thing. And I know that's what you kind of help people do is you help people in those types of situations. So tell us, tell us kind of number one, what you do, and then tell us about your, your background and how you got into this industry because it's a it's an interesting kind of focus that you have. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm a crisis PR guy is what I say in a nutshell. And I help business owners, executives, and individuals deal with matters where their reputation is being called into question. And as you said, in online reviews, social media blogs, the press, water cooler inside an organization, <laughs> within networking circles, wherever somebody in a public domain is questioning the reputation, the hard-earned reputation of an entity and is now causing operations to be disrupted. You've got customers that are calling, questioning whether they should continue to buy from you. You've got employees wondering if they should move elsewhere and join the great reshuffle or the great resignation. Business partners who may want to look elsewhere for contracting for services or things like that, or investors, donors, if you're a nonprofit. And it runs the gamut of the type of organizations that I help. I literally have half a billion dollar organizations that are in very visible sectors in sports entertainment and in healthcare and things like that to individual mom and pop operations where the founder has worked very hard over a series of years and has put their professional and also their personal reputation in line with that entity. Uh, I get the privilege to helping a lot of them in times of great stress and anxiety. To your question about how I got into this, 
Uh, I've been in PR in some level for almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years and about a year and a half. And I started as a Navy officer. Yeah. So I was a Navy, I was a Navy officer, surface warfare, about halfway through a nine-year career, became a Navy public affairs officer. And actually was deployed more as that as a spokesperson for various entities. I've spent six months in Haiti and joint military operations and most notably two years on the aircraft carrier John C. Stennis, where I was the public affairs officer with a great team of seven others that we ran four channels of television and FM radio station and eight page daily newspaper and all the media communications, not only for the carrier, but the eight other ships that went with us on a battle group. So think of me as a 29 year old corporate communication head of about a 7,500 member organization. And in the Navy, crisis is just part of the norm. Sure. Yeah. That, you know, that was, that was 20, 24 years ago, I, I joined the carrier. And in the two years I was on that with the deployment, I had uh, Tomcat, uh, F-14 Tomcat crash in the middle of the Pacific. I had a, uh, we had an axe on board that severed the legs, uh, severed one leg on two sailors. I had uh, two suicides. I had a, um, I had uh, a, a Marine that was, uh, that committed grand theft in a foreign port of call. I had two other uh, wow. service members who uh, were uh, on trial for rape, or I should say arraigned on rape charges in another port of call. You name it, I've probably seen the level of crisis because then as I moved into the private sector about 22 years ago, product recall, mass layoffs, employee misconduct, uh, CEOs behaving badly, shareholder uh-huh. disputes, you name the crisis, I have seen a flavor of it. And I don't say that boastfully. I'm just privileged to help a lot of organizations. And to your point, it's become an even greater need as our own little portable mobile devices that are now ubiquitous makes uh-huh. every person its own broadcaster. I have got a video camera. I have got a microphone. And through the social media apps, I've got in here a distribution system without owning an FCC license or being trained in journalism. And that makes any organization of any size a target. Oh, wow. Hey, so, okay. So, so, I mean, obviously you've seen the whole industry change dramatically, yeah. especially over the last, you know, five or six years or so. Um, yeah. What kind of things are you seeing now that, um, that your clients or your customers are, are kind of dealing with that you never even had to anticipate prior? Like, can you give us an example of like a couple of things that kind of happen out there where, where when they, until they happen, you don't even, you don't know to prepare for them and kind of what you help your clients do in that, in those situations. This is going to sound contrary, but I would say that the same issues that would have appeared 25 years ago are the same issues that are occurring now. Employee mishaps, CEOs behaving badly, mass layoffs, product recalls. Just now everybody knows about it. And before, right, the, before it was much the, more difficult, right? The, the difference is, is that anybody with, again, these portable mobile devices can broadcast about those issues and, and then take their own liberties on the truth. That's the bigger thing. They can, they can extrapolate data that is out of context or completely false and throw it out there as something that's valid. And before you know it, if you're not careful about how you monitor those type of situations I responded, they will take over the narrative very quickly. So I tell people 25 years ago, you know, the same type of incidents, you'd have a half a day to respond because your goal was if a reporter was calling on it, which was your primary audience, right? you had until the end of the day to get a statement out there, an interview before that reporter went on deadline to put it in the paper that would run the next day. You had a longer news cycle. Today, you got an hour. Even right. if it's that reporter, 
that person has got to put something up on the website and distribute it on their own personal and the and the entity's social media pages within about an hour. But here's the thing. I'm not so worried about news organizations anymore. It's still a priority. I'm worried about that employee who's going to squawk about something on Glassdoor. I'm worried about that customer who is going to scream and holler on Yelp or put something out on Instagram or TikTok. Right. I am worried about that business partner who is going to then start screaming to his or her entities and circle of influence. Those are the audiences that have, for me, as much, if not greater priority. So I tell people now, you have a much shorter time frame in which to respond. You better have something that's empathetic and action-oriented. And the first audience member you need to concern yourself are, are your staff, because they're the ones who are going to get the calls. They're the ones who are going to see the text. They're the ones who are getting emails, not you, because a reporter isn't going to isn't going to get this story until a little later when the social media chatter starts to take hold. That's where the tail is now wagging the dog. That's the difference in today's world as opposed to when I started in PR. Yeah. So, so if, if, if somebody's kind of going through one of the, these situations, even if it's something minor, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe um, uh, trying to think of, of an example of, of something that's, Oh, okay. So, so like, for instance, uh, you know, I host podcasts and sure. every once in a while I'll get a, a, a negative review on the podcast. And I, you can tell by the way that the person kind of filled out the review that, they probably never listened to the podcast and it's most likely one of my competitors. <laughs> or something. Yeah. You know, who knows who the person is, but, or maybe the person is just me or something like that, but it's just, it's, it's weird. How, what would you, I mean, is there anything that you can do in those kind of situations? Because since they're, they're basically, even though they're, they've put it in an email address, they're, they're anonymous. Right. So. Yeah. 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 And that's the other thing too, right? Everybody squawks now because they don't have to do so face to face. I can, right. I can make a claim in the, basically the safety of my own basement, you know, my mom's basement somewhere and squawk as much as I want on social media and feel protected. I will say this, two things to think about is one is I do the crisis element there, but if you don't have a robust internet presence yourself through proactive means, if you're not active on that, you might want to think about doing that or getting help in doing that because you want to build that follower that will come to your aid when a hater is going to hate. Second to that, if you get a negative review that somebody claims on that one there, particularly on a podcast, have a little tongue in cheek with it, right? Especially right. for that one there. But right. I would suggest be responsive, empathetic, and then you know talk about, hey, I appreciate your opinion. Glad you didn't, you know, glad you didn't, you know, if you didn't like it, that's you know, that's great, very cool. What you don't want to do is you don't want to ignore it and right. give them the expression that they've got really something to to squawk about. But secondly, you don't want to go at them in an argumentative fashion, right? And this is the other thing that I tell organizations, particularly business owners, executives, and people of influence is you've been successful because you possess largely one of two things. One is you've ignored your naysayers. You've had that keen, singular focus on achieving your goal. And secondly, you have barreled through obstacles to do that when somebody has purposely thrown those in your way. That fight or flight mode, as I call them, will serve will 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 be a disservice i should say right. when you have a crisis situation because you're inclined to either ignore the comment or you come back screaming and hollering and telling the person what a knucklehead oh you're not even real you're fake and all this sort of stuff there and what will happen is the audience will go mm, maybe there's some truth to that one there right. that person isn't responding to that one maybe they maybe they hit them close to home or me thinks doth protest too much right. and so you add credibility to that you certainly don't diffuse the situation so coming at them by saying hey I appreciate the fact you just listened to the podcast, come up with some ideas there. Um, 
to do that. But you still, you know, the fact is that people people are watching it and having their opinion or re- listening to it is all, you know, is, is more important to me than anything else. Uh, to that end, um, the, the owner of the Red Sox, whose name now escaped me, there was one point where some reporter asked, don't you get tired of all the sports radio people, you know, and the personalities who squawk about your team and talk bad about you and people call in, doesn't that grind on you? And he went, no, it's when they stop talking about me yeah. that I got a problem, right? That's when I know I've got a problem. So, right. you know, that's a, that's in that particular case, it means I'm not I'm saying irrelevant that would be, at that point, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I wouldn't say in all cases that's how you respond, but from what you just talked about personally, that's how I would do it. Yeah, that's funny. It's because that's one of the things that we we really, really try to do. I mean, we're on every social media out there and we've got a whole team sure. of people that are that are kind of responding. And and that's one of the things I think that uh, folks just kind of overlook is that when people do respond with a positive comment or even a negative comment, respond back. It's a conversation, right? That's the whole point of social media is to have a conversation with people, right? Exactly. And try not to do it in, in, in a, you know, don't, don't take the, try not to do it in such anger tones. I mean, right. Haters are going to hate, right? You could put a video on YouTube of a kitten, you know, of a kitten playing around there and you're going to get a thousand up checks and you're going to get three down checks. Right. I don't know what those three people's problems are, but right. they need some self-evaluation. But the point is, is that they're really watching it. So let them watch. So basically, I, for what I'm hearing you say, though, is that a lot of times that first gut instinct, especially for folks that are that are, um, you know, big time managers in a company or entrepreneurs is maybe counterproductive in the in in the PR game. So sometimes you kind of kind of pause, take a breath and and see how you can use that negative to your advantage. Right. And I do get calls when I have organizations who have had a crisis, they have instinctively responded and only made matters worse. They threw right. the equivalent of gasoline on the fire. And then I get the call and go, yeah, I, I, I know why you did that. I appreciate that. Right. I'm trying to show a little empathy to that. Um, here's why that wasn't a good idea. And let's try it this way. It right. takes a little longer because you've already sort of volleyed for serve. And now we're, you know, now you're back 15 love. You're going to have to play a little catch up here, but it's not insurmountable. Just take a little longer. I got a I got a funny story that you'll you'll relate to. Um, this happened. I'd like to say this happened like a long time. It's just like two and a half weeks ago, though, right? So, um, somebody at the United Nations, somebody I, I don't know what they do at the United Nations, but they put uh, they sent an email out to like four hundred different email addresses, including uh-huh. our company email address. And it was about, you know, they were they were looking for something, right? They were they were looking for, um, you know, like um, articles or or something like that, right? And and all of a sudden, because of the way they sent it out, they didn't send it out in like a, a a newsletter or something like that. They sent it out with everybody's email addresses there, so people were hitting reply all for like a week, right? For a week, and, yeah. and the first time I kind of responded by by. Um, saying, hey, you know, can you guys please take me off this list? This is not relevant to anything. This is going out to everybody <laughs> right. in my company, right? I mean, it's like, it's crazy, right? And uh, and so finally, after a week or so, I, you know, I, and this is, this, I'm the leadership guy, so I'm not supposed to do these kind of things, but I'm finally going, oh my God, you idiot, stop hitting reply all. <laughs> stop it, stop it. And oh my God, the floodgates opened. I mean, it, they were like, why are you calling these people idiots? It's because the 
stop, 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 stop. Anyway, so I ended up having to kind of fall on my sword and apologize to the whole list for calling a few people idiots because they were hitting reply all. And uh, it was like, it was a nightmare. It was like two days of nightmare emails back and forth and uh, not and, something I didn't want to be on the list. I was just trying to get off of it. Right. So. And, and, uh, and, and those kind of benign instances will sometimes blow up in the face. And the right. thing that you want to do as an organization is first off, follow up with an email, put everybody in BCC and right. apologize. Look, we're sorry. We probably clogged your email. Our bad won't happen again. Right. And at least acknowledge the inconvenience that they're experiencing. If you can't eliminate that and say, moving forward, we're, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. The, the thing about it is most organizations will get a second chance if they are candid, forthright, empathetic, and get ahead of it. It's you know, that's the what ones that bored me. That's what floored me on this is that is that not once did the person or the people, the group of people that sent that out respond and just say apologize to everybody. I mean that would I mean that would have fixed it, you know, but I anyway. I I'll give you an example. I won't mention the name, but there was a uh, there was a entity that I that I helped with that was at a charity event that they were running. And the CEO gets up, and this is going back about a year ago. And th this is an event that had taken place pre-COVID, but they hadn't been able to because of the restrictions. And now they were back in place. And he said something to the effect of, "We're really glad that uh, we're able to back this in person because of, uh, you know, we weren't able to do it beforehand because of the China virus." And that's what he said. Now it was an entity that didn't have anybody recording. It wasn't on media and everything like that. But there were about a hundred people in there, right. and and some people obviously took exception to that and understandably so to which people came up afterwards and he apologized who went slip of the tongue four months later a reporter questions about it because somebody tipped it off for that one there and it's an entity that's that's of high visibility right and they and and i'm working with them they said what do we do so we own it we own right. it we say yep as we apologize then complete slip of the tongue did not mean anything on it i need to choose my words more carefully i will and i have since then are bad now there was an argument inside there that was going, look, nobody has anything of record. There wasn't any recording of it. We don't have to say anything. And I said, you have to say something yeah. now if you want the story to go away quickly. If not, and then, then people believe there's a there there. So own it, a little empathy, a little action. I'm sorry, won't happen again. Here's what we're doing. I'll choose my words carefully. And the story did get picked up. And because of the visibility of this entity, it went national for about two hours. Right. And then it was, it was done. Gone. Yeah. And sure. everybody moved on. Had it not, it would have been a two-week story, and the governing body of this private organization would have probably had to at least launch some sort of administrative investigation, if only to save face. So it was just everybody just own it and be done with it. And that's the other thing that I tell entities: you got to do empathy, you got to show empathy in action, and try to get ahead of it as quickly as you can when it starts to be in the public domain. The lack of any of those three will cause greater concern will delay your ability to get back to normal operations, will impact revenue and profitability and employee retention. This all goes back to if you don't have your team rallied around who understands what's going on, who is with you, who believes in you, nothing else is going to matter. I tell them employees are always the first line. So any public statement you make, you better believe that you better have something out to your team before you send out to the public. And don't wait too long on either, but employees are your first and First priority, any crisis of any size with any industry all the time. It's amazing how often we kind of, I'm, I'm, when I'm doing leadership coaching with, you know, with big, you know, high, high level managers and CE level people and that kind of thing, how often 
if on occasion when they do find that they've made a mistake, if they just admit it, a lot of times it tends to go away fairly quickly. And it's funny how often people will want to kind of lay blame somewhere else, or I guess that's human nature though. And human nature is that you want to, you want to kind of push it under the rug or hide it or, you know, not be embarrassed and that kind of thing. But again, if you just own up to it, a lot of times it it tends to go away a whole lot faster. I I tell people sometimes my job is not to make things good. Some people think, Oh, PR, you're spinning this. No, my job is to make this less bad and being less bad as you go through the crisis Right. not avoid it or not go around it. Right. It's kind of the same thing that you talked about with your kids when you were growing up. It's like when they wouldn't do something, it's like you tell your kids, you know, if you would just spend half the effort <laughs> doing the right thing, everything would be all right. Right. Yeah. Same Indeed. thing. Same, same concept. Yeah. Hey, so, so when you're uh, kind of like, what kind of clients do you kind of look for? Do you mainly, are you like when you are, are um, working with folks or are you mainly looking for entrepreneurs or what, what kind of, what kind of, uh, what's the ideal kind of customer for you to, to help? I have, I have a horrible business model. I take on any organization of any size because of the nature of the deal. I do a project. I do hopefully I do project-based businesses and I never want to repeat customer. And so my, my idea is when somebody, when we give them again, the space to be able to lower the anxiety, give people the opportunity to give them a second chance or clarify the issue, there will be certain things that will have to be done. Maybe there's some employee practices and policies that need to be enforced a little bit better or robust. Maybe you've got a customer service issue. Maybe you have an operationals problem. Maybe there's a product yield. Maybe the CEO needs some coaching up there. And I want to refer them to a network that I've got that's national to be able to provide them that opportunity to fix the fundamental issues so they never have to hire me again. But do I focus on a particular entity? No. As I said, I've got everything from mom and pop store to professional um, sports teams to uh, healthcare to entities, defense contractors. I, I don't have a specific industry. And that's because, again, any organization of any size can be taken down by an Instagram sure. post. And so I am fortunate enough that I get most of my uh, client base from a referral of sure. great people who have trust and confidence in me. And I'm grateful for that. On occasions, I get them through my LinkedIn or my, my website, and I'm happy to entertain that. Uh, and even I tell people, even if all you want to do, and I, I do this on my website, you can schedule 15 minutes with me to talk about a matter if I don't know you. And I'll give you 15 minutes of this is what I think. And sometimes it's, hey, keep doing here. what you're doing. It's yeah. good. Yeah. I, it, it, I love what I do. I love helping organizations and individuals and entities that are just in a state of anxiety and can't figure out a path forward. And if I can offer just any of them a little bit of advice, even if they're not necessarily clients, I'm happy to do so. It's truly a labor of love. So it's, it, it sounds like from kind of what we've been talking about, it, it sounds like the main thing that you want folks to do as a result of kind of listening to us here is kind of do what they say, dig your well before you're thirsty kind of thing. Do the do the PR stuff ahead of time so that when the crisis hits, you're better able to kind of deal with it. And if you feel like you're in over your head, reach out to an expert like you in that situation, right? I- well, I, I I do appreciate when I get to help organizations prepare for something when there's no crisis to be had. And right. every organization and individual have inherent risk factors because of the things that they do, right? Because of the industry that they're in, because of the visibility that they have with certain entities or the public, there will be inherent risk. And you can prepare in general for the discipline that is responding to a crisis matter in a public fashion, in a quick and effective manner. But- most organizations, sad to say, um, don't 
practice that much in the same way that they don't really manage the inherent risks in other parts of their organization. Everybody talks about that. I understand it always gets put to the back burners because of the issues of the day that they're grappling with. But the time, to your point, to plan for a crisis event is not when it happens. I get those calls all the time. In fact, I get those calls most often when the house is figuratively, if not literally, on fire. And I can help. It's a whole lot better. It's also less costly and will shorten the issue if they plan for it. And if it doesn't, okay, it can still be fixed. It's just going to take a lot longer and it's going to cost you a lot more money to do so. And that's just the reality. So if somebody is in a is in a crisis mode now or they're pre-crisis and they want to prepare for it, um, do you have a, some, some tips for them or a place for them to go where they can get information about what you do? Absolutely. Go to my LinkedIn page, Dave Oates. You can find me crisis. If you Google Dave, Dave Oates crisis PR, uh, LinkedIn, I should pop up. I also, my website, publicrelationssecurity.com. I've got links to LinkedIn learning courses that I do. I've got a YouTube channel with different tidbits and analysis of different things. I've got some eBooks on Amazon for different things that organizations may find themselves in often than not. And, and it's, you know, anytime somebody needs resources like that, they're available for download. I certainly welcome that. And again, on my website, uh, there's an opportunity to free 15-minute consultation for any organizations happy to help. Nice. Good deal. Okay. I'll put a link in the show notes to all of those things. And thanks a lot, David, for being a part of High Impact Leaders. Doug, this is great. Thanks for the time. I really enjoyed it. You bet. 